From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. And at long last, the return of Entitled Weekend. Um, thanks to the chagrin of nobody. But uh, we there's a lot to talk about, fellas. And it's training camp, finally. And I think we've c- come at a right time because I think there's so much to talk about regarding the Patriots and even some other Boston teams, but primarily the Patriots because really, I mean, who wants to talk about the Red Sox at this point? So, yeah. Uh, uh, this is going to be a Patriots uh, Patriots Central show, and I want to start off with the fact that I mean, this is a this is a really a media based podcast. We really we tend to judge the media because it's just the worst media that's ever been assembled in this country, and none of that is possible without douchebags like Greg Bedard, who has. BSJ, uh, the Boston Sports Journal, and of course his most recent addition is not a, not an apology for you know all the stuff that he's done, but adding another douchebag in Mike Giardi, who has just over the last three weeks has just I don't know I guess he's gotten his paycheck or or he probably won't, but you know his two cents from Boston Sports Journal because he's just been an absolute nuisance and none other than NBC Sports NBC Takes Boston is the network that's going to support stuff like that and I want to start off by playing this clip of Mike Giardi talking about the Patriots wide receiver room which is a word that I just don't get but about how terrible the Patriots wide receiver room is and just listen to this and see what you guys think what have you seen at the receiver position stink stank and stunk like it's crazy and again we we beat this horse and i've said they're bottom third in terms of wide receiver talent and it might be lower than that but here in the first five days four of which were spent not in pads Kendrick Bourne, until today, didn't have a catch in 11 on 11. He had his first catch today. Tyquan Thornton had two catches on Sunday. Before that, nothing. Today, nothing. Devontae Parker, I wouldn't even know that he's out there. I can't. I could not tell you one thing that he's done, and I am hyper-focused. Bedard's got me watching the offense. I'm hyper-focused on the <laughs> skill guys. I can't tell you one thing he's done. The two best receivers have been Juju, who's making his living on crossing patterns, and Pop Douglas. The rookie. So I think it just says a lot about the level of play. And I'll throw Mike Gusecki in there because he's not a tight end. In shorts and t-shirts at six foot seven, Mike Gusecki should dominate. He should absolutely kill it. Throw the ball up there. You can't get hit. He's going to go get it. He had done nothing prior to Sunday as well. And then the one catch he made, a touchdown in the end zone, came a second and a half after the whistle was blown dead and basically the entire team stopped playing. The way I describe this room is it's a professional room. Like all those guys belong in the league, but none of them are ones. And none of them are twos. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, none of them are threes. Wow. So, what do you, like, Ooh. look, if Taekwon Thornton doesn't become what they hope he's going to be, then, I mean, that's another huge swing and miss. So, Dan, I'll go to you first. First of all, I, I, I feel like before, I think he did make up with Heinz ketchup because he looks red. But 
secondly, they don't have a they don't have a number one or a number two or a number three. But the guy that they just signed won the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. So right there, it's almost it's almost like why are you gaslighting us, dude? Stop it. It's amazing that it seemed like he spent all his time between NFL Network and getting hired by Boston Sports Journal just tanning and tanning beds because that that's that's why he looks so red and orange. Um, and also, uh, the other reason is when he interviews the coaches and the players, he refuses to look at them. So when he turns around, he's putting his face right back into the sun. So that that's how you know. Didn't he's didn't, didn't you have didn't you have a tweet that where he was holding his phone weirdly, like he like he has like a like turtle hands. Oh, that was um, that was Gasper, who oh, decided right. to hold it like it was some alien technology that you had to <laughs> curve with your your hand somehow to to get it to work. Um, but it the funny part about that clip is, I, I would I would have anyone outside of Boston listen to that clip and try to guess like who that person reports for. And we've we've talked about it before. Like, I think I feel like. It would be so easy. We should have a game of was this quoted by uh, a reporter from outside of Boston? So in that instance, if we're facing a certain team, is it that city's team or is it our media? Because you really can't tell the difference. It's like we hate they, they hate the sports team so much that this sounds like someone on ESPN that would make fun of the Pacers. Nope, this is Boston media. And this is why he got the job at Boston Sports Journal is because it's not objective reporting. He, he, you know, the whole point of being at the Boston Sports Journal, I mean, anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, isn't facts. It's just how can we drag the name of the Patriots, their players, their coaches the most? And even when it should be a very positive time. So it's funny that suddenly, you know, Giardi got very quiet the following three days after that, when all the receivers in the offense showed up and made that whole rant about the WR two and three thing looks so bad even more so than when it actually happened um but that that's the thing is like they to work at boston sports journal which again another thing it's like dov kleeman it's like where are they getting the money how is this real how is boston sports journal a real thing and it's got to be just like 98.5 funneling money to them or something there's there's no other <laughs> there's no other explanation they don't have enough subscribers to pay Two of these people, never mind, what is it, three people that work there? Maybe four total? I don't, I don't even know. But it's just, it's funny that he's going on this rant thinking he has all these power back, that he still works at the NFL Network. He works at the Boston Sports Journal. His opinion means next to nothing. And it'd be a different thing, too, if he was going on this rant and you you saw other reporters like the the Andrew Callahans, you saw, um, you know, you saw Evan Lazar, you saw some of these other pundits and beat writers if they actually agreed with this if you saw them saying you know these wide receivers stink and a lot of these people would typically say just come out and say it no one is saying this he's the only one and that's why that take looks even crazier and the fact that it also backfired the offense just went off in the next few days but it, it's so silly to say take that clip listen to that and know that was just seven days into camp at that point not even i, I don't even think when he said that but it's such a small sample size that we're freaking out about. But if they were doing super well, you know what the flip side would be. It's like this is just training camp. So you, you can't you can't win there either. But he he looks like he's fitting right in at that joke of a place. And uh Bedard's little 
uh, right-hand man right now. So um, that's all I really have to think about that. He's not really worth the time to spend too much on, but. Bill, I'm going to play another, I'm play a clip for you. Um, and yeah, Bedard, speaking of Bedard, like he's not, <laughs> he's not out of, out of the woods yet. I mean, again, and like Dan mentioned, this was, this clip was from July 19th. So about a, a week or so before training camp and <laughs> just again, the gaslighting of, of these people and NBC takes Boston. It's almost insulting. There are obviously some people who like this stuff and get off on this, but it's for people like us and others who we see right through this. It's how can you with a straight face sell this type of stuff and think that this is actual things that we want to hear. So this is Greg Bedard saying that they haven't signed any offensive talent from the outside. Like they haven't at all. You think Bill Belichick favors defense over the offense to a fault, and it continues to this day. Correct. I mean, you know, look, I, I just want to be sh be clear about this. This wasn't about DeAndre Hopkins. This was DeAndre Hopkins was like the final straw after not addressing offensive tackle, after having no tight end signed for next year, after not anything adding anything at wide receiver. And Wrong. And they still don't have much of a room there beyond this year. So Hopkins was sort of the final frustration. Um, I mean, just look at his history. What? offensive talent have they brought in from the outside that is number one first day morning of free agency type stuff it's never happened ever at any position you know hunter, hunter henry johnu smith randy moss wes welker all outside acquisitions all would have been day one ads Devonte parker when they traded for him you would say that would be somebody that would get a contract similar to what Juju got this offseason, which also leads me to Juju Smith-Schuster. Just because it's not prime Randy Moss walking through the door does not mean that they are not addressing the offensive talent in the room. They certainly are. And the fun part of what he spins up there is he realizes halfway through that he's about to say tight end, and he realizes that Gasecki and Henry exist. And so then he goes, oh, tight end, they don't have signs for next year. Who the fuck cares about 2024 New England Patriots tight ends when you're talking about the construction of the offense for the 2023 roster? It's asinine. And in large part, what we've noticed is that big offensive splashes tend to be done by teams that don't do a decent job of establishing that routine in their system. And guess what? When we talk about our defense right now, look at the amount of homegrown talent. It's almost like they prefer to grow talent in their system as opposed to going out and making a splash in free agency. Because when you look at their defense, Judon certainly is an off a major offseason acquisition. That that no doubt there, but you're talking about Wise, Barmore, Uche, Bentley. Uh, you're talking about Jones, Jones, and Jones, the law firm in the secondary. You're talking about you know going back to the recently retired Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar. They're supplementing on defense with reasonable ads, and then they draft a lot of defense. They tend to, 
And then when they need offense, they do tend to draft offense, but they do tend to draft more offensive line in the earlier rounds. They do tend to, they draft light, more likely to be hit positions. He just doesn't like the fact that he can't complain about them shooting and missing on high end offensive talent with major dollars. That's the whole rigmarole here is that he? that's what he's looking to do, is he's looking to shit on major dollars acquisitions and say they are identifying talent wrong, and they're not doing it. So it's really offending him. I want to go quickly back to Giardi and just add that I understand there is a subsection of fans who love the misery and who love the concept of everyone hating everything that the Patriots do. I really want those people to think about are you getting anything new from Giardi that you weren't already getting from Bedard, Bolin, Gasper, 98.5, 93.7? The answer is no, you're not. You're getting the copy-paste version of the thing you already have 50 times over. Ask yourself if that's good. If you if it were the Patriots signing 15 people who had the same skill set and did the same thing on the field, these people would be having a fucking conniption. And yet when we look at the media, it's like, oh, they drilled it again. Here comes Giardi. He's the best thing ever. Look at him. And he's not because what he's doing is sensationalizing. And he's doing it because he's being instructed to do so, as he mentions in his clip by Bedard. And so he's just continuing to sensationalize. The entire media is based on that because no one would go out and say, because most people were saying in the first few days, the offense is get coming along, but the defense is winning the day. It's easier to win the day when there's not the fear of the pat of the run because you're just in shells. There's no runs in that seven on seven. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. But they were all saying it, it. You know, it's taking some time. They're acclimating. It wasn't a value base on the players thinking. And I, my big level of understanding of when somebody has a reasonable take and when they're trying to like get attention for themselves is when they say when they will not say something specifically to the player in the same way that they say it on the TV on the radio. Would Giardi really walk up to Devontae Parker and say, you stink, you're not even a top three wide receiver? Any response to that? No, he might say something like, oh, you've struggled. It seems like the offensive, the offense and particularly the wide receivers have struggled earlier in the preseason. What are your thoughts on that? That would be a much more reasonable take but it's not what we're going to get because we continue to have this copy paste and it's an arms race to be the biggest douchebag. It's actually, I'll just add real quick. Like it's actually ironic, you know, what Bill saying about the fan base, the fan base is always making fun of like Bill Belichick doing all the same things. He's never changing. He's still like the same old, same old, you see all the jokes like, Oh, they won't pay. They're cheap. All these behaviors. And he's saying they would go, they would lose it. If, you know, we were getting the same talent. They're they're totally not even getting that they're the butt of the joke, that they're supporting the same talent pool with the media and they're accepting of it. They've just become, you know, uh, complacent with it, basically. It's like, okay, this is our media. It sucks. I'm not going to complain about it. And then they, they make fun of any one of us that makes fun of the media. It's like, why do you like this? what is wrong with you like why why do you enjoy this and it's always well they're they're just telling it how it is or they're just being objective i'm like they're not though like that him saying that they're not even 
wide receiver threes is to Bill's point. It's just to rattle the cage and say, notice me. Like this is a guy who just didn't have a job and he got hired by the most pitiful media outlet. And that's saying something. There's, there's some other media outlets like CLNS that's should be far worse and non-existent, but it it's just funny to me that these are the same people that complain about all these things and what they support is the most cyclical. It's the most just copy and paste. Like Bill said, like it's just so easy. And and yet they're, they're not understanding they're the butt of the joke. I think it's. No, go ahead. Check. No, I was going to say, Joe, I got one for you too, because Ooh, swing the, it. The, 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 the shit keeps piling up because um not to be outdone is uh Burt Breer who, you know, everyone's favorite um, Ohio State fan who, you know, is menacing and <laughs> is a, a criminal. Uh, he had something to say about Bill Belichick's locker room, and this was in regards to Lawrence Guy. And we'll talk about what happened to Lawrence Guy in a moment after I play this clip. This is something that's like lingering too from a previous negotiation where they put a number out there for him. He wasn't able to go and get it in the market. They pulled their offer and gave him less. So obviously there's some residual stuff there that like comes down to how you handle a player who has real standing in the locker room. And this is also something that I think Bill's got to be careful with because the locker room pays attention to these things and guys see how other guys are treated. And so this can affect you with other players down the line. If you want players to take less, you got to take care of guys like this. They reduced his offer, Lawrence yeah. Guy? Yeah. I mean, that, that's unbelievable to me. It's a embarrassing. Guy, a guy like that that does everything the right way at a position where another position that you've neglected, that you have nothing there, he's one of the only guys that can really stop the run on the interior. He does the double teams. He does all the dirty work, doesn't complain, great guy. And you screw him like that, no wonder he's ticked off. So when did that happen? When, when how did that agent? When, when, when his contract was up. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's another one of those things, though. It lingers, you know. These things. So he even signed the, through. He it, signed the reduced offer. He signed the reduced offer because there wasn't anything better yep. out there for him. Yep. And look, like part of that is, I guess, the market bears what the market bears. But if you're that player, you're gonna hang on to that. First of all, the hot, the softcore porn music it kills me, and then that's you know the the, the 70s porn music, and then the Three Stooges on that on that screen right there. Uh, Felger, Bedard, and Albert Breer. Joe, and and Joe. By the way, Lawrence Guy went to training to be to training camp the next day after that clip was posted. So great call, Breer. Great call. It's it's the way he talks with such conviction about being right, and he's been objectively incorrect numerous times this offseason and hundreds of times in his career. Um, I think I have a quote here. I, I, I was asking for the date on that clip. I think it was like the day before training camp started, so end of July. On July 27th, on the second day of training camp, Lawrence Guy is all smiles at a press conference saying, I'll do whatever I can for the organization after showing up the day prior. Um, but like you said, like what Bill was saying, it's all sensationalized. Um, I think I alluded to this last year at this time. Um, fans, media, consumers of the Patriots, whoever it might be, were, they were desperate for for anything to happen. So they over-sensationalize, over overreact to every minor, minute detail of, of training camp, of people showing up, of, of who's smiling, who's not smiling, of how many catches of on seven-on-sevens or, or 11, 11 on 11s But And that's that's what's happening here. But but those three stooges, it, you know what? You mentioned that softcore porn music. I was thinking of that earlier. That is just, it's terrible. It's terrible in the background of those three guys. It's, it's, it's awful, but... 
the way they talk with such conviction about being right, it, it makes the the normal everyday consumer of, of Patriots football or Boston sports just believe it as fact, which is definitely an issue um, moving forward. I wanted to do I wanted to pull something up on the second clip where we were uh, Bedard was alluding to not ever getting a day one wide receiver in free agency. I'm going, to, I'm going to rattle off about 10 names in the last three years of wide receivers who have signed in the, within the first week of free agency. This year, it was Alan Lazar, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then you had DeAndre Hopkins and Adam Thielen are the big five. If we had signed any of those guys outside of Hopkins, it would have been an issue. It would have been an overpay. That guy sucks. He's washed. If you go to 2022, let's see here. They get better as they go. Christian Kirk, who got an obscene amount of money. It was Allen Robinson, who stunk last year. It was Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the Chiefs last year, who I think ended up with maybe 35, 40 catches. Russell Gage and Zay Jones. Those are all your day one wide receivers that were signed. If any of those guys were signed by the Patriots last year, it would have been abysmal. The takes would have been egregious. And I'll go to 2021. Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne were the big five all of which people have complained about here. If if Bedard was that horny for us to sign someone on day one and give them money, it would have been turned the other way. So it's a it's just a disingenuous conversation with Bedard and those guys, but it always is, and we, we know that. It's just a matter of how other people take it. So it, it's frustrating. I fucking hate Giardi. He's the most sensitive POS, I think. I think there's a lot of sensitive piece of shits in the media, but I, for me, he really gets me. How many, how many of us are blocked by Jerry, I'm me. not because I'm private, but I should be. Uh, I'm not somehow, and I'm I'm ha- I'm you know slowly my working my way to that, um, but very quickly, yeah, very yeah very quickly. I just wanted to add that if they paid Guy more money, the first thing we would have heard, you're paying that much for Lawrence Guy. He's his last name is perfect. He's just another guy. Like that would have been the whole story for weeks after and they would have been like oh well you can't sign DeAndre Hopkins now because you overpaid Lawrence Guy like it that would have been the whole thing so it's 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 again it's the you can't win they're gonna make a negative take out of anything and some people just want to slurp that up with a straw they want to get it in a blender they want to slurp it up with a straw and drink it like it's a protein shake and I don't understand it and the other thing too is I felt crazy listening to that because all these guys shit on Lawrence Guy for years when when were any of those guys on that a fan of Lawrence Guy? There's there's no like maybe Bedard at one point gave him a compliment. It's like oh he actually did it like a decent job. None of these guys have ever been supportive. And then of Dan, him. they insult him in the, right in the middle of that. They say oh well they're treating him bad. But then oh they say well he couldn't get anything in the market because he's he's yes. not really that good anyway. So, so <laughs> but shame on shame on you guys. And also, Gotcha was actually good last year from a run stuffing perspective. I don't know why. He has such a bad rap with the Boston media. And I think it has to do with him getting that extension. Was it the beginning of last year when he got the two year and they already thought he was overpaid from free agency, even though it kind of took him. It takes like if everyone remembers most free agents that come over to the Patriots it takes about a year to ramp up. Gilmore was the same exact way. And then all of a sudden everyone's obsessed with Gilmore. And that, that should be another topic, which is the the leak today that the Patriots were trying to sign him or trying to get him in the off season. Of course, that's going to be held in a back pocket for later. If this, if this secondary isn't great, they're going to be like, Oh, you could have had uh, Gilmore again. 
that I mean, like like Bill was saying, these are little excuses. Like with Lawrence Guy, these are excuses. Anything that happens, but if they pick them up, if they picked up right. Gilmore, they'd be like, why are you picking up this old guy who wasn't good with the Panthers? It's constantly year, like flipping the Colts. It's just they just have the constant. How do we flip this? As soon as it happens, how do we flip this? Or what's what's the misdirection? What's the negative? Um, you know, it's just the the same old cookie cutter approach, basically. So now let's talk about uh, Matthew Judon and his hold in as the as the media tried to make it out to be. And what I find really interesting is the way this started is again back to uh surfer surfer girl Giardi um starting out with there was a quote unquote report by him saying that there might be some quote unquote tension. So he, he stood out to the sidelines from the beginnings of uh training camp practices especially during these half speed 11 on 11s and giardi noted that although an upper body injury may be the reason behind his limited participation hmm, maybe maybe that's it but then it, it's still something you need to keep an eye on but then it's it basically it just winds up being speculation because he, he winds up signing a, a restructuring deal. And Bill, I, I think you have more on this. But then, but really what I find interesting is three days before that report from Giardi, Matthew Judon said he felt right at home in New England, wants to retire as a Patriot. So uh, I think I believe Judon rather than uh, Giardi. But uh, Bill, about this whole situation, it just, it galls me how quick they are to make a conclusion and then make an assumption and make the assumption be true. And this is a situation where I think that the Patriots and Judon are both getting what they want out of the media with how this played out. Um, just looking at the, at the restructure, the restructure turned most of his base salary into guaranteed dollars. He still has the chance to earn up to 18 million, which was right about the number he was at before. There's not any extra money. It really just looks like they paid him earlier. More money became a signing bonus versus, um, you know, became a signing bonus versus being a base salary that he would receive week over week. Um, unless there's details, like I'll leave the expertise of Pat's cap to tell me I'm wrong. That doesn't seem like something that's worth holding out, holding in, holding anything for. And so it really makes you go into what would the other causes of somebody every day going down to the conditioning fields be? And it would be they might have had a little nagging injury in the offseason. They might have needed a little bit of a tune-up there. They might be trying to rest that person because that person may not have had the same juice in January in previous years that they've had in October, November. And I think any of those things could be true. And the Pats didn't want to put Judon on blast because he's a leader in that locker room. They want to do right by their players, which they routinely do. And people just don't give them credit for. And so looking at it, I was sitting there, I was at the, um, the in-stadium practice on Friday with my wife and my in-laws. And we were talking a little bit about Judon. And I was saying right before Schefter's tweet went out, I was saying, unless I see some sort of major adjustment in the, the amount of dollars, I really think that there's just been something nagging there. And this is the way to sort of make it so no one's asking Judon about an injury. He's not having to be bothered by the media on the questions. And then that news broke and it sort of reaffirmed that take. Certainly it's, you know, it's speculation, 
but I also think the idea of the Holden is speculation as well, specifically considering the outcome. And I hate to agree with Ben Volan, but Ben Volan was actually quick to point out that it's not any sort of pay increase. And one part of his tweet says, it's not like the Patriots were going to cut him. He's going to get that money anyway. And so, uh, you know, if, if it's so simple, Volan can see it, then I don't think it's a ridiculous happenstance to be looking at and saying it's likely that there could have been other pieces to the puzzle here, even if there was a little bit of truth to wanting to get money on the front end or guarantee a tick more of his salary for the season. Dan, uh, first of all, I'm just I'm just glad that the way both sides have handled this, the Patriots and Judon, I think is really admirable because this could have went any type of way. But first of all, kudos to Judon for playing the game and playing it right. And again, yeah. everyone's happy in this situation. But as far as the media is concerned, nobody should be happy. And it's doubly for the fans. The fans should not be happy because Judon isn't isn't extended yet, but he's also sitting out. So that means it's bad. That that's basically where, where I'm getting where I'm seeing. Well, I, I think also to, to Bill's point about that whole topic is it was kind of like the perfect speculation type of story because you could speculate it's a hold in. And he gets this this bump, and that that now they can continue to say, "See, it was a hold in." Which it was funny as soon as that happened. Instead of just reporting that, it was like the Andrew Callahan's, the Greg Bedard circled the wagons around Giardi and went hold in check mark as their tweets to just say, "Like, yeah, we were right." See, that's how desperate they are. And guess what? They didn't even have the report for Schefter out scooped them again. Like you're the local reporters that have been here all week and none of you knew. No, because he has that relationship with the agents. You guys are all just sitting here twiddling your thumbs just to prove a narrative. Now, if he if he really was having a hold in, you could say, why didn't he practice that night then? If that was the key, getting that money, he would have just been out there for the stadium practice. Or um, better yet, he would have just been in pads right away today, which he actually changed into pads. And I heard he was participating in the 11s later, I think. But he, he did participate. He just was limited at first. So this whole Holden thing, it doesn't really have enough to stick, but it doesn't have enough to refute it either. Like there's just no proof either way. So it's it's almost the perfect speculation that, um, you know, he, he oh, and he could continue to hold in is the other thing that they could go with because to Bill's point, oh, now he wants an extension. Like they can keep playing that whole, and it's always how can we make it look like there's dissension in the organization? That's always been, the play it's like all this positive stuff the offense looks great it's like how do we bury this news how do we bury that the offense looks great let's find something else let's talk about the hold in let's talk about contract issues let's talk about how bad the o-line is you know all these topics oh jack jones legal issues it's those will just keep bubbling back up as long as there's positivity elsewhere otherwise they'll go back to well bit you know they all just want to jump on a, the prospect of belichick being fired this year. That's the exciting thing for all of them. But back to Judon, the thing I'll say about him too is he's all our favorite Patriot right now because the first thing he did was go shove it back in Asante Samuel's face, which was perfect and well-deserved because that guy just talks out of his ass all the time. 
And he has to be, you know, to That's be more CT, another CTE candidate <laughs> and to be more resentful than Ted Johnson. Even Ted Johnson just said I was wrong. <laughs> Like, that's how bad he's just like, I'm not even going to argue with this dude because Ted Johnson is another guy like Giardi that is clawing to stay alive in this media, to be relevant. So his takes, even if he has the record wrong, he's going to make up a record and be like, they're four and 16. Cause that, you know, all the idiots who can't do math and need their socks off to count to 10, you know, past 10, like the can for Tottens of the world, they're going to just believe that number right away. <laughs> sure. That, that sounds, that sounds right. That makes sense. They don't, they don't understand math. So um, I think Judon is the perfect kind of Patriot to have in this market. Cause he gives it right back to the media when he said, you know, like I'm not talking contracts with y'all because you're all snitches. Like he gives them shit all the time. And that's why he is a hero <laughs> amongst other things, his play on the field. Like he's the perfect Patriot. And he's, he's kind of like a lot of those vets were back in the Brady days. And not talking about Brady. I'm talking about those defenders that gave it to the media. Like that didn't you know, stand for that bullshit. And that's what they have to continue to do. And I hope other guys on the team start doing that a little bit more is sticking up for themselves and like, Hey, my business isn't for you to um, kind of put out there, like something that's not really happening, the rumor mill, all that stuff. So that's his business is his business. And he was great uh, about it. So kudos, kudos to him on that. I also think it's important to note that the last two seasons, Matthew Judon has kind of faded off at the end and not stayed healthy. So I think part of maybe him not ramping it up fully is them realizing they don't whoa, need to get Joe, all those. So, whoa, Joe, you sound like you sound like uh, uh, Jake Duhame over there with that. What's that? What's going on there? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I just think it's also something they just want to keep the wear and tear off of guys. So I don't, I don't think there's there doesn't have to be some something with with absolutely everything that happens, you know, there hasn't been an overreaction or reason for the way things go. So and Steven and Stevenson and Trent Brown. And I want to say there was one other player that they're just monitoring and they want I think to think it's sure, Taekwon, you know, Taekwon yeah, Thornton. Taekwon, they want to make sure these guys can play the full season and like, look at all the injuries that piled up in like a, just the first week of training camp. And that just, it's just a reminder. And then like, you know why we have the preseason the way it is now like there's just so, there's just more chance for injury so but heaven forbid they use logic versus just looking for the the clickbait narrative you know yeah no it's it's the worst and we have to stay vigilant because there's a lot of dumbasses out there that will believe other dumbasses because it's an echo chamber of insanity that yeah, we like, need to we need to tackle and we like believe believing <laughs> believing Ramos too. I was just kidding, Joe. You're not you don't sound like Jake Duhane. You're not scared of the over the sight of a of a fake bush. Oh man. The bushes man. are alive. Everyone seek shelter. Why why do why do Jake Jake from Boston and Carlton? Do you guys remember Carlton from 98.5? Why did they sound so similar? Like this. This very like effeminate whiny voice. I just think that's so bizarre. Who knows? It, it's it, it's because they've all hit their fainting couches after seeing the physique of spindly armed Adam Jones. <laughs> By the way, what's happened to that? Like, I feel like that like nobody's really talked to like that station and like their personalities have not really been really been in the forefront anymore. Is it is it just me? 
it's like if a tree falls in the wood type of scenario like is anyone yeah actually hearing what they're saying and no one's listening <laughs> i mean maybe maybe the season has to get ramped up but it's just it all all the all the bullshit we've been hearing is from nbc takes boston and be and some beat writers that's well, pretty and, much it and, and it goes back to what bill says if it's redundancy like he's he's that he's Felger Jr. And now you have Giardi coming back into the market. He's trying to be Felger Jr. Like how many Felger Juniors can you have? And it's just gonna be, well, obviously anything can get more ratings than WEI. So Jones is the odd man out here. Um it's, and you got guys like Arcand, who is basically the skinny version of Joe Murray. It could just share stupid conspiracies. So it takes a special kind of bad to be able to get completely dick punched in the ratings by somebody as bad as 98.5. Like there, but there's a, like, and this is the only compliment you'll ever hear me give 98.5. They are clearly better than 93.7. I don't know at what, but they are drawing the ratings better They're They have had less shuffling of the deck chairs on the Titanic than 93.7 has. And they seem to have a strategy that's working for them in whatever way and means that they're looking for it to work. 93.7 goes, oh, we should just copy them and fails miserably and consistently. Adam Jones is the hire. might be the worst thing they possibly could have done because he's worse Felger. Who's going to listen to worse Felger while Felger is on? Also, like, how did a, how did a rival sports radio station not take advantage of what just happened over the past six months over at 98.5? You had Fred Toucher, who didn't have a voice they didn't even have their main voice and then he came back and he relapsed and he was off off the rails and people didn't even want to listen to the show anymore because it was that bad and then you have maz going through his his stuff with the racial uh comments with 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 uh felger it's like how if it was any other competent sports radio station they would have taken advantage of that spot to to take it some dent back in the ratings and to Bill's point, just go the other way, go the other way with how you think and approach things. And I get like, if someone just tried it, just try it. It's like not even one show, not even one person on one show will just try that angle. Cause they're so afraid of the brotherhood of these media guys, like turning on them. And, you know, they all talk crap. For instance, they all talk crap about Mike Reese because Mike Reese is the only really objective reporter not you know just truly just reporting what's going on no one wants to be that guy because they're afraid of getting made fun of and that's it and, and that everyone's going to shut them out but just at least try it just one person and, and quickly no. for those keeping score at home bill has now vouched for ben volan and 98.5 I just want to make that clear oh oh yes that is <laughs> that yes please 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 direct quote that is as the truth yes that's that's oh, a t-shirt <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's this the is, T-shirt. I'm, this is sorry, buddy. This is Bill's final podcast, so <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be finding somebody else very soon. Um, yep, heard Adam uh, Jones is available. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. No, no, you could you could get his uh, his fanboy DJ Notice Me Jonesy, the one who gets no interaction despite having like ten thousand followers, and and, has, lo- and loves has an himself album, some Jones. Album. It has an it, album that that that's I think it's I think it's collecting dust on uh, and idolatry. Is he, uh, is he producing the softcore porn music for NBC Sports Boston? That could be he a possibility. Be. <laughs> that could be. That's my conspiracy take of the day. He's growing the porn stash too. Yes, 
we'll just, you know, a couple pennies at a time, you know, with the, the Boston sports journal <laughs> mentality, just pen, pennies at a time, penny wise, dollar dumb Boston sports journal. Well, well, we, we can talk now about some, uh, some of the stuff that's been happening at training camp. Um, I know, and I know it is training camp, but there, there are some guys and this is going back to Belichick can't draft. Belichick can't pick up players. Belichick can't do all, all this stuff. There are some guys who are turning heads. And again, they have to do it on the field. But guys like the Mario Douglas and Marte Mapu, I, I'm I'm really excited to see in the preseason. So uh, overall, what are you, you guys' overarching thoughts, thoughts on training camp so far, uh, Bill? Sorry, had trouble getting off mute there. Um, thoughts on training camp. Uh, I think first things first, special teams. Um, that's what I. That's the main thing you're able to take mm-hmm. away from some of the in-stadium practice and some of the real – the punters are – either punter in camp is going to be a significant upgrade for the Patriots um, over what, what they had last year between Quality uh, and – yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be a huge improvement. Um I sadly think we're seeing the end of the road for Nick Folk. Um, he was really struggling and like over kicking to kick from like 45 yards. Um, so he was having some real challenges there. Is it Ryland is the the rookie kicker? Am I, do I have his name right? Yeah. Ryland mm-hmm. seems to, I, I would be surprised if he's not the opening day kicker just based on the struggles that Folk is having with distance more than anything else. I think his accuracy is still there, but if you can't kick over 40 with, with your leg it's going to be really challenging to be an nfl kicker um but i think that Marte mapu is probably the person i'm most excited about um i i love me some defense in general but if you have somebody with duggar's level of skill set playing in that middle like that middle linebacker type role next to somebody like bentley with a really sound tackling ability you're going to have a lot of success in defense. So I'm really hoping that Mapu is panning out the way that he's looking to. Um, I think that we're seeing a lot from the rookie receivers. Boot has come on the last couple of days, um, and that's been really exciting to see. Um, So I think there's a lot of young players to be really excited about. Um, My big sleeper is um, Stau, who's moving out to tackle. I think that's something to keep an eye on um, was drafted and most people projected it as, as an NFL guard. Uh, but if they're immediately moving him out to tackle, it shows that he's shown some technique and ability to perform at that position. So I'm really hopeful and looking forward to seeing how he comes along in that way. Even if he's nothing more than being your third tackle, that's a huge win to have that on a rookie contract for a number of years, because you know, you're going to need that third tackle as you go through this every, any season you're playing and moving forward. So even if it's not this year, if it's next year, it is your swing tackle. Great. That's a, that's a really nice piece to add to your team. Um, And then Bill O'Brien, there's motion, there's RPOs. The offense is having more fun. It's, it's definitely that like they're putting stress on one of the better defenses in the NFL and iron is going to sharp iron. So the defense is going to help the offense get better and vice versa it's making me really excited for this Patriot season. And 
when you look at back on how they lost several games last year, they weren't far off from being a vastly better team than their record dictated. And I think they've made the appropriate moves this year. And if this draft is as good as the coaches are talking like it is, I think that they could make a lot of noise. Yeah, I, I agree with Bill. I went I went last weekend. Um, and there's a lot of positives to take uh, on this Patriots team, I think, so far. It, defensively, I think they're a top five defense in the NFL, even after losing the heart and soul of Devin McCourty. Um, I'm excited to see what Jalen Mills' role in the defense will be, whether that, that is going to slide over to safety. Um, I'm extremely excited about the young guys. I think Gonzalez is going to be a day one starter. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the Jack Jones situation, but he's obviously going to get better. Um, and like we said, the law firm of the Jones is there in the secondary. They're, they're going to get better. Um, Keon White, I think, has shined in practice. He's an absolute animal. He's a grown man. I don't think it's going to take much time for him to assimilate to the game of NFL football. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really excited about the defense. Another year of Duggar getting better. Um, they're, they're going to be really, really good. I think another year of having Jabril Peppers in the defense is going to help too. He he came on strong at the end of last year. Um, and offensively, yeah, they, they look much more sound. Um, and, and you forget about the small things like Mac Jones just getting another year older, another year experience in the NFL of what it is on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I am excited to see what they're going to do with that second running back slot because obviously they're going to do something there. Um, the writing's on the wall, whether it's Zeke or, or whoever. I can assure you if it's not a big name that everybody knows, they're going to piss their pants and freak out and, I want it so-and-so. I want to hurt him. So um, there'll be that. Um, I'm also looking forward to – I think Juju Smith-Schuster has, has looked great too. And people are saying, well, he's, he's excelling on crossing routes. And it's like, well – I don't care how he gets the yards as long as he gets the yards and we're getting first downs and we're moving the ball. I don't care how it looks. I don't give a shit if we get whatever. So, uh, again, every year I'm optimistic, but this year I'm, I'm excited to specifically look at a few things. And there's one sleeper player that I'm really, really looking forward to see what his role in the team is going to be, whether it squad, whether it's Gunner, like they, like they to last week, Malik Cunningham. I'm looking forward to see what his role in the team is going to be, whether it starts out in the practice squad, whether it's Gunner, like they alluded to last week, is Malik Cunningham. I'm looking forward to see what his role in the team is going to be because they gave him a ton of money as an undrafted free agent. So that's my that's my sleeper watch for, for everyone watching out there this offseason. Bunch of bobos and hogs. Oh, will ever be. No, I mean, I could I could go on and on about this team. I mean, obviously, I'm excited, but the the biggest, easiest change that everyone tried to, that everyone wanted, if you recall, and then everyone backtracked and said, you know, it's not enough, which is the addition of Bill O'Brien. Like, easily the best improvement for the team, you know, back to what Bedard said about not doing anything to improve your offense. I mean, that's huge. That's, you're going for someone who is a negative impact as a coach to someone that's going to have an immediate positive impact. And he's using these guys who, you know, a lot of people are saying are talentless to they're going to flourish in his system. That's the other thing. It's like, you don't need all these other names that you're thinking of because they already found the guys that fit in that system very well. That's why pop Douglas looks so great too, is because the system works perfectly for him. I mean, his, his college coach said, that's exactly where I wanted him to go when he got drafted because he wanted to go to the Patriots because he's the most versatile. And a lot of these guys, and to Joe's point too, just are going to find different ways to contribute. And I think, you know, both the the rookie wide receivers, hopefully they can find spots in special teams. Speaking of special teams, I think Chris Board is, is a sort of an underrated signing still. I mean, people said like he's not going to contribute at linebacker, but we got people on the team saying, 
he, they think he's going to be a huge addition at linebacker as well. And, you know, the other thing is like, there's only so much that people are going to see in this window of training camp. And we're still not going to have the full picture. Like we're still not going to have everyone healthy. We're not going to get a good look at that really probably till the regular season starts, just like any other year with the Patriots. Like we're not going to, you know, all this dust is going to settle. There's going to be some surprises. I'm sure in the cuts, there's going to be maybe surprise health updates. Hopefully people stay healthy, but things a lot can change now between now and, you know, September, obviously, but um, I'm excited about Keon White. I think he's another guy that, you know, is going to go so well with what they've already added in that area with Barmore, uh, Uche, Judon, and Marpu. I mean, there's just so many guys who are fast and strong in that defense. Um, Sounds like Gonzalez had a hell of a day today. Um, He made a huge interception on Mac, uh, and he looks like he's you know, iron sharpens iron, that sort of thing. It sounds like him and Parker are having some great matchups. And the other thing is, I think Parker is kind of getting just like ignored about how well he's doing. You know, everyone knocked him last year. Everyone said he was injury prone. And in camp so far, he sounds like the most consistent guy, even though Giardi said that thing about Parker. Like, I see his name every day catching some bomb or he's – big play over the top, that sort of thing. Um, I'm really interested to see who becomes healthy when for the offensive line, obviously, and also the running back situation. I mean, of course, I'd love them to sign someone like Zeke or something like that, but I'm really interested to see how Pierre Strong continues to build. Like, let's see what he looks like in an actual game situation. Um Let's see how this offensive line, you know, what their strength is going to be. Is it going to be the running? You know, they kind of fall back on that a lot, and that's their strength. And then they can kind of give Max some cushion there. Or are they going to be better in pass protection than they were last year? So I think there's – I think the answer is yes, the obvious answer, because they have, you know, the new OC. They have an actual O-lineman coach who can dedicate all his time to the O-line, not like last year, someone that was trying to do – two jobs that he hasn't done before. Um, so again, I, th- I think the biggest changes, I mean, the most positive changes, are the most obvious ones, um, they addressed all those areas, special teams, O-line, and the offensive coordinator. And if the defense just builds on what they were last year, this team is going to be great. And Joe Murray can, you know, take his under and wins and, you know, go play in traffic, but the the whole thing about them winning less than seven and a half games is crazy to me. I'm sorry. Even if you're trying so hard to be negative in this market, it's crazy. So Shaq, I, I wanted to jump in super quick because the best thing about training camp just happened. Um, Kendrick Bourne was just doing media availability and talked about at length there being doubters and having heard the noise from outside. Um, and I know we shared that in our chat, um, our, you know, our DMs on, on Twitter slash X slash whatever the hell they're calling it now. Um, but Kendrick Bourne ended his press conference with, quote, stink, stank, stunk. So wow. <laughs> I love it. They, I fucking love yep, it. Yep. So, you know, get fucked. This is what I'm talking day about. Is in, yep. Get fucked. Giardi day is in full effect. Taekwondo to the, to the mix. It obviously brings a, a unique element with that speed. 
Stink, stunk, and stank. Uh, all right. <laughs> Um, so that, and, and that dude has to sit there and listen to a player say that they heard them say that. Repeat it to him, which is the best mm-hmm. part. And he's probably yep. looking the other way while he's, he's recording with his phone. He's probably looking away because he can't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that goes back to the, would you say that to this player's face? I would say absolutely not considering the fact that the player just repeated it back to them being pissed off about it. I love that stuff. I don't care if it, if it's going to come off petty or whatever it might be. If they can rally around shit like that, that'll fucking fuel my fire for all winter. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I, I say I say carry on, can be and be petty as as much as you want because these people, these uh, whatever they are, the mediates are are they're they're paid to to antagonize and and criticize so why not why not give it back to them give them what they give you Mm -hmm. and i think i think that speaks to an edge this team has it's i i think it's an edge that this team is going to have and i think they're starting to find an identity and i think you know looking back on last season they struggled to have an identity because to be fair several of the issues that they were trying to overcome were in-house. I think we talked at length about it not being the smartest team last year. You know, as the season went along, we saw uncharacteristic mistakes. We saw that they weren't, you know, the coaches weren't gelling with the players. It was just, and it's not, that's not calling the players dumb or the coaches dumb. It's just the way that the team came together, they executed in ways that you would think as dumb football plays. And looking at this team, you're already seeing an identity of edge, and you're seeing an identity of growth and precision. And I think that you're going to see a lot less of the boneheaded mistakes that occurred last year that resulted in losing games, um, late game fumbles, um, you know, the lateral situation with the, um, with the Raiders. Um, you're just, you're just going to see less of those uncommon un you know, quote unquote, Patriot way, like mistake, you know, mistakes to occur. So I, I love that they're starting to hone an identity early because I think it's going to be a very successful season if they can really hone in on a, a sort of a solid goal in a way that they drive themselves throughout the year. I mean, I, I think what people forget is you can press on these buttons so long until you really set something off with this team. And, and the Patriots have always been that team of don't bet against them, don't piss them off. Type of because they they always feed off the underdog attitude, and as long as you give that to them, as long as it's there, they're gonna find a way to um, reinvent that back into you know reformat that into motivation, um, you know the bulletin board material all that stuff. But these guys listen, and these and like whether it's Bill that shows it gets this to them or someone is getting this to them, and I'm sure it's. Like Kendrick Bourne is one of the most active people on social media, and so is Judon. So I'm sure they circulate that to the team. See, like, see what they're saying about us, type of thing. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I would be, I would be, you know, shitting myself if I was Judon right now. And I know he he probably loves it inside because he's getting more. That that's all he he's looking for is is clicks and getting noticed. But um, it just shows you that these guys aren't taking your shit anymore, which is what I was saying earlier, like more guys need to call these guys out. Yeah, that, that's excellent. 
I, I like it a lot. So um, switching gears for a little bit, um, there are uh, well, there are a couple players, former Patriots, who we have to talk about first. Um, uh, the retirement of Sony Michelle, a running back who, for all intents and purposes, was a major part of the twenty um, twenty nineteen Super Bowl and playoff run, and for for a lot of for a lot of ninety eight five fans, he's the worst player ever because you know the Patriots could have won this could have won the Super Bowl without him, you know. They don't, but but they don't win the Super Bowl without him in 2018. When that playoff run versus the Chargers, he had 129 yards and three touchdowns. Versus Kansas City, he had 113 yards and two touchdowns. Versus the Rams in the Super Bowl, 94 yards and the only touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, again, if you're you're a 95 loser exposing yourself and you can't even give a guy credit for, do, you know, doing something that. A lot of people, yeah, they could have done it, but he is the one that did it. So, what do you guys think of Sony Michelle? Short career, but he did, he made his mark. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to be really quick on this. You made a point where I've seen all week is you could have put any running back in there. Yeah, he he, but he did it, and he 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 made it look easy. That Chargers game, he was incredible, and the Chiefs game outside of. The Brady and Gronk Edelman masterclass in the fourth and overtime, the run game was still substantial in that game. And he set the tone in the Super Bowl. And then he went on to win another Super Bowl after the fact. I think discrediting any guy that's won your, I'm doing air quotes, favorite team a Super Bowl is really, really fucking lame. Especially a guy who who had an insane Super Bowl run. No matter what your preconceived notion of the running back position is or or their value on a football team. Because at the end of the day, he did it and he won the Patriots a Super Bowl. And that's all I care about. That's all anyone should care about. I don't give a shit about any other narrative or, or what have you. He's a winner. He did it. Yeah, it, what it comes down to is the most dangerous thing that the Patriots could do to their chances to win within the Brady era of the Patriots was take the ball out of Brady's hands. So you had to have tremendous confidence in any player that you were handing the ball off to. You had to have tremendous confidence that's why Kevin Falk early in his career, and I know he was, you know, a little bit, you know, he was on the much earlier side of the dynasty. He was walking around with the football to make sure he didn't fumble it. You know who almost never put the rock on the ground? Sony Michelle. That's that's like, yes, a lot of players could have run through some of the holes that were created by a really good offensive line. How many guys could have held onto the ball? How many guys could have driven their legs for extra yards? And the numbers go down. How many people could have pass blocked? as well as Sony Michelle did when he had to be, because you had to be able to do that to be in the game because more often than not, you were putting the ball in the air with Brady. So looking at all of those things, the numbers start to dwindle as to how many people could do it. Are there still other guys that could do it? Probably. Were they asked to do it? Were they tapped on the shoulder to do it? No. The person who did it is one singular person, Sony Michelle. And on a person, like on a personal level with Sony, um, when I was waiting for my place in Foxborough to be finished up, I lived in some apartments that are pretty well known as apartments that some young Patriots players live in. And there's a row of townhouses that some of the like higher picks end up rotating through throughout the years. Sony Michelle was living at the end of this street and would wave to everybody as if he was out in the you know if he was out in the driveway getting ready to go, he'd wave. 
he was out doing, you know, doing work. He had family over all the time. You'd see him out and about. Like he was, you know, from that observer's perspective, just like a genuinely like people's person and lived a very like normal life while being an NFL running back and a Super Bowl champion and making a good amount of money. And I'm very happy that somebody like that is leaving the game with their health, is leaving the game as a Super Bowl champion and is leaving the game on their terms. I'm sure he would have liked a longer career, but the fact he's able to leave with his health and with some very strong success makes me feel good for a guy that just by all accounts is just sort of an average every man that, that was just an exceptional football player and made it to the, you know, made it to the highest level played in the biggest games and came out on top. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I'm not going to add anything that's um, that different than what uh, Bill Joe just said, but uh, I will say, you know, you got to thank the guy for what he did. And and all these sedentary people who sit at home and say anybody could do it is just, is just bonkers and insulting, like on every level. Um, no idea how much talent and strength it takes to, to do what he did. It, regardless of, yes, if the next guy behind him could have had, almost as much success as him. I kind of doubt it, especially the Chargers game. If anyone actually remembers watching that game, that was just his game. Like he, he like took a leap into some other type of player for that game. The other games. Yeah. You could make the argument that it it wasn't all him and it could have been another running back to do that, but he still did it. That's the thing you can't take away. He did it. The what if game is fun. If you want to play that, well, if another guy did it, well, it didn't. This is what happened, and that's what happened. He won a Super Bowl, and like Bill said, he went out the way he wanted to. You guys lose, he wins. I mean, thank you. That's all I would say. Yeah, and another former Patriot who is now in the Hall of Fame, Darrell Revis, um, and, and another player who chose to go to the Patriots and clearly respects Bill Belichick because he – when, during the uh, Hall of Fame game on Thursday, he teared up when he watched when he heard about Bill Belichick giving him credit. So, again, the, the Bill Belichick is is clearly not well liked by players. Um, but uh, Darrell Revis, uh, the one season that he was there, and there's there was there was a this guy. Um, I think his name is Kevin Stone. I don't know. I, I, I even saying his name, I think I'm giving him too much credit. Um, who tried to make it out like because uh because Darrell Revis didn't say, Oh, I don't regret my time as a patriot, even he that means that he regrets his time as a patriot, which is not true because <laughs> he's he said he said, happy to be part of Super Bowl 49. This is Kevin's quote, happy to be a part of Super Bowl 49 rather than happy to be a part of New England, the Patriots organization, truly a jet for life. And then he uses the uh, the Simpsons episode where Ralph uh, gets his heart broken by Lisa. And apparently that's apparently Ralph. We're we are Ralph. Patriots fans are Ralph and Lisa is Darrell Revis. But. It's not true because. Darrell Revis, a month ago, literally on Twitter, said it to a Jets fan. The Jets fan says, renounce the Super Bowl in the year you play for New England, please. And Darrell Revis says one word, never. So <laughs> I think that says yeah. it all. At, at the end of the day, we also knew what we were getting with Darrell Revis. He was a mercenary. He was brawn of the fl- fucking Blackwater. 
he he wanted to come and win a ring. That was the whole goal. He was a mercenary. He was out for the cash at the end of the year as well. And that's not disrespect to him. He was never a person who shied away from what he was about as a player. I have a ton of respect for Revis. Tremendous player. If he's not on your Mount Rushmore of cornerbacks, I don't know what sport you're looking at. Tremendous all-time player. And doesn't need to have some love affair. It's It doesn't seem like he and Belichick have like a warm relationship, and that's fine. Because again, he came, he did his job, he played, he won a ring, and he teared up because he saw that the, that the man that might have been gruff with him and he might not have necessarily understood in the moment has a lot of respect for him. And that's, you know, something that you can respect people you don't like. There are pl- plenty of people I don't like in the world, and I respect a great number of them. Um, just because I don't agree with them on things doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, I'm not a respectful person to them. Revis did exactly what he was supposed to do coming in. The Patriots did exactly what they were expected to with Revis. That's why the contract was dealt with the way it was. Excuse <laughs> me. He had a void year set up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm apparently choking on my own take here. Um, but he had his void year set up so that he could go and hit the market again. What he should be thanking the Jets for is paying him twice and getting the diminishing returns after the best years of his career. He had a great first rookie deal, then signed big money with the Jets. They didn't want to increase his salary. There's that famous clip of um, of uh, Rex Ryan yelling at him on a teleconference and then going out to the to practice because he didn't want to deal with it. Um, then they dealt him to Tampa Bay for a few years. He did well down in Tampa Bay. You know, not they had his own scheme, wasn't as strong, but then came up to the Patriots, did really well, and the Jets paid him a second time. So, you know, I, I it, it really, you know, but the people who are like, oh, he doesn't like the Patriots. Uh, personally, I don't care if he likes the Patriots or not. I respect the player. The player respects the time he spent here. And uh, the Jets fans are just seeming very desperate to look for a way to say that it doesn't hurt them that the best Jets player in decades won his only Super Bowl ring as a member of the New England Patriots. Just also, just to remember, and not just, you know, having Revis that year, but that whole team is still one of the most underrated defenses of all time. I mean, the other thing that doesn't help is that they ended up going against probably during that span, one of the most famous defensive groups in the Legion of Boom. And I think they just got completely overshadowed by by that defense. But if you look back at that roster, what they had culminated and and built up was sort of historic. Like just some of the and obviously Hightower, Chandler Jones, Will Fork, uh Ninkovich. I mean the names go on and on that they had that McCordy. I mean it's just so crazy to think like it, to, to Bill's point, you had to go to the Patriots to win it, but he doesn't, he did there's no denying it. He, we all knew what the, like, like Bill said, we all knew what the story was. You're here for this. They want you here for this. You got it. End of story. You got what we, what we sought out for. So um, I don't really get it. I think the funniest part for me is again, all the sedentary people at home on, on their couch on Twitter going, man, he got fat. 
It's like, I'm sure he's still in better shape than most of you tweeting right now. So, yeah, people, people that, suck. <laughs> yeah, people saying, "Oh, Revis Island, he he's been living on an island." I'm like, and what have you been doing? <laughs> like, he's the one that has the ring and is in the Hall of Fame. So, so. Yeah, and just quickly yeah, on Revis, a... I just want to go quickly on Revis. Like, I think I, you guys have all touched on the points that I would touch on, but he won a ring here, and that's all I care about. He can he can go back and forth with Asante Samuel about Belichick did this or, or what have you, but he won a ring here. We didn't exercise his option for a second year, and his play significantly dropped over the next two, three seasons. So he did what he came here to do. He got his ring. He got his money. Everyone's happy. That's a good business relationship if I've heard of one. Absolutely, and um, I think I think that that's I think that's good enough for tonight, for guys. I think we we're gonna count some for next time because we uh, still have a lot to talk about. And thankfully, football's back because again, um, it's been kind of a disappointing year for Boston sports. So um, I think people are gonna be surprised by this Patriots team, and clearly from the way the media talks, I think they expect it too because. Look, as much as they want Bill Belichick to be fired, their job's on the line, too, because if Bill Belichick's fired and somebody else is there, and then they'll be complaining about how boring it is and it's not as interesting. <laughs> so it'll just be it'll just be a round and round merry-go-round. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I know you guys are, too. And hopefully you guys out there are, too. So if you have an email, you can email us at EntitledWeekend at gmail.com. We are on... Again, X or I'm still calling it Twitter. Your mama named you Twitter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it Twitter. Um, at Entitled Weekend, uh, and you can X me at Atomic Dog fifty one fifty. Bill at the Fib oh six two four. Joe is at Joe Savignano. Dan is at Dan Kang six sixteen. And until next time, stay petty.